Support for Filmmaker Toolkit comes from HBO Documentary Films, presenting All That Breathes. In one of the world's most populated cities, two brothers, Nadim and Saad, devote their lives to the quixotic effort of protecting the black kite, a majestic bird of prey essential to the ecosystem of New Delhi that has been falling from the sky at alarming rates. Amid environmental toxicity and social unrest, the Kite Brothers spend day and night caring for the creatures in their makeshift avian basement hospital. Director Shanak Sen explores the connection between the Kites and the Muslim Brothers who help them return to the skies, offering a mesmerizing chronicle of interspecies coexistence. All That Breathes is the first film to ever win top documentary prize at all three of the Sundance, Cannes, and London Film Festivals for your Academy Award consideration, Best Documentary Feature. Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm the associate craft editor over at IndieWire. Uh, and as part of our ongoing documentary series, I had the great pleasure to sit down over Zoom with Tia Lesson and Emma Pildes uh, to talk about their film, The Janes. Uh, Jane was uh, an underground network of women who provided thousands of safe, affordable, and illegal abortions in the early 70s in Chicago. And obviously they weren't documenting what were and are in some states now felonies, but Lesson and Pildes have this incredible wealth of archival material in addition to really touching interviews with members of the Jane Collective now that they deploy in order to make the story of the film really come to life. So we talk about that feat of archival editing that helps tie the film to its time and place, and and also how it connects to the present moment. Which, speaking of, if you are listening to this on election day, please go vote and then enjoy this conversation with Tia Lesson and Emma Pildes. I'd love to start with, you know, the, the, the film premiered before the Dobbs decision came down. The film is ultimately more powerful for the fact that it isn't gone into explicitly, but I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Was it, was it ever tempting? Um, to sort of dive into the rollback of abortion rights um, that's been in the works for a long time. Was there any uh, temptation, I guess, to expand the focus of the film? Look, we we live in the real world, you know, and we were very engaged with this with this in the moment, you know, throughout the making of the film, whether it was when Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, um, when the Dobbs case uh, was heard in front of the court. I mean, all along the way, we understood the grave danger to modern day, to current day abortion rights. And, and, it, and it had been going on for a long time. I mean, well before the Dobbs decision came down, well before Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed. I mean, um, there were increasing numbers of restrictions and barriers for access. So this, this, was very much on our minds and certainly on the minds of the women that we interviewed uh, from the Janes when we spoke with them. And um, it certainly informed our filmmaking choices and, and, and the anger that we felt and the worry that we had and our determination to, to, to show the grim reality of what it looks like when, when abortion rights don't exist. Um, you know, that said, we didn't necessarily want to, you know, say it explicitly, we, we talked to the women on camera about their views, you know, of, of, from today, but we chose to, you know, let it be something that the audience was aware of, that the women were aware of, that we were all aware of 
um, and, and in dialogue with, but not deal with it explicitly. I think when you go into the theater, you're leaving the theater um, after seeing this film, you can't shut out the news of the day. It's so much a part of what we're thinking about when we're watching the film. And we thought that was enough. We thought that was powerful, um, what we all brought to it as filmmakers, as, as, as subjects, as audience members. And we didn't need to explicitly deal with today in the film. Speaking of, of putting the film together, it is like this incredible feat of organization of archival material. So I'd love to talk to you both about both that decision and where that came from, and also just like how long did it take you to acquire that much archive and organize it? Researching it, finding it, pulling it in, organizing it, screening it, cutting it together, um, making decisions. Our editor, Kristen Huntley, um, was artful and extraordinary in, in weaving together that tapestry. Um, you know, we conceptually, we decided before we went into this that we really wanted to, to, to give ourselves the challenge of, of using these seated interviews that are so, the women are so articulate and full of life and, um, Ex the interviews are so exceptional that we wanted, you know, the other side of that to be um, beautiful archive from the time so that you are you are two feet in the 60s and 70s in Chicago and, and nowhere else, no reenactments, no animation. You know, this felt really important that that, that this had these those two elements and only those two elements and and we wanted to do that all the way through with no exception. Um, so we worked really hard. I mean, the other thing is, is you know, we knew from the from the very beginning that Chicago itself was a character in this film. There were are and were so many filmmakers in Chicago, um, and it was such a fun thing to be able to wade through that material and. Um, see the city through the eyes of those those filmmakers at that time uh, were very fortunate to have been able to use their material and it felt very appropriate these filmmaker activist youth you know that was there that was yeah. shooting footage of the DNC um, you know of 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 the University of Chicago campus, you know, what have you um, and, and most importantly sort of women on the street at that time. That was a that was a big thing. We wanted to look into the faces of of women of all kinds at that time, um, and have them be present because those were the women that that Jane was serving, and be you know, and we wanted that that feeling of isolation, that feeling of fear, um, that feeling of triumph, and and you know, self reliance at, at times for all of that to sort of, to come alive in the faces of, of, of the women on the street at, in Chicago at that time. So it just felt really important that it was authentic and not, like I said, a reenactment or, a, or an animation or something else. Did you restrict yourself to the, the time periods in which the, the Jane Network was operating um, or kind of stretch it out 
a little bit on either end to to grab um, things that you felt were necessary. We stuck pretty close to the to the timeline, um, and we found an extraordinary richness of of documentation uh, of of protest movements. Obviously, at that time, were very well documented, but also of the horror of the septic abortion ward at Cook County Hospital. Um, which an NBC crew happened to film, and uh, also the raid footage of, of clinics across the country that that were being raided by the police. Uh, the women they serve brought in to precincts, providers being put in jail. Um, I'd never seen that footage before, and I think you know both of us were pretty. So it was sobering footage to see, because we know that this is what it's going to look like, what it is looking like um, in this in this day and age. I would love to, for for you both to to talk a little bit about the process of matching picture to interview. Was it a question of trying to find whole scenes that you could build out, or were you really like focused in on how do I illustrate this particular moment? The film is so well matched to what the women are talking about. I'm just curious, kind of like how you guys approach the editing challenge. I mean, we didn't want it to feel see and say, you know, we yeah. didn't want it to feel sort of simplistic in that way. We wanted it to be artful and impressionistic in some, in some moments. Um, and you know, maybe very direct and on the nose in other moments. I mean, it really, it, it, it was, it was, it is a challenge because it's what is going to serve what we're hearing in that moment best. And that's not necessarily the same from moment to moment in the film because you're, you're, you're doing different things, right? You have different you're carrying different emotions, you're serving different characters. We have an ensemble cast, so they all have sort of a different feel to them. But you want it to be cohesive and you want it to have the feel throughout of a film that T and I were directing. You know, it can't feel fragmented. I think it took time to sort of um, serve appropriately what we were seeing, but find our, our voice um, and consistent consistency. Um, and it took, you know, as films do, it took going over and going over and going over and refining it through that process. I think the, the voice of what we wanted it to sort of feel like found itself and connected itself to itself, if that makes sense. No, that actually does. Good. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the interviews themselves, this is Tia, the, the interviews themselves are so compelling, they're so vivid. These women's memories, you know, were so fresh, even though 50 years had gone by. Um, and, and we didn't want to lose the emotionality, you know, of that. And we wanted to stay in those moments um, and, and deepen those moments as much as possible mm -hmm. with the footage. Um, we probably pulled from two, perhaps three dozen archives. I don't know if we counted them, but they're, you know, private film collections, ex experimental filmmakers, street photographers. I mean, it's a whole range of and 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 news film, television news film collections. Um, it's a it's a rich range of footage, mostly shot on film, which gives I think the the film a very textured. You know, beautiful look because it, it's not 
trapped in the video world of the 80s and 90s. I think we had wish lists that were, you know, many, 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 many pages long. And we, I think, came up with a syntax and a rhythm with, with our editor. You know, we would cut the interviews first. I mean, it was those voices that really drove the narrative. Um, and then work with picture alongside. But really after we created, you know, this, the spine of the story in that particular sequence. I mean, there's some, there's some footage that, that is beautiful and in the moment and, and didn't need voices to punctuate it. Um, but mostly, yeah. you know, mostly we were just trying to give the feel of what it was like in that time, you know, for these women. And, and I would just add that the biggest challenge is, see, is it was getting footage that represented the, the spectrum of people in Chicago in that time, you know, working class white women, middle class black women uh, in a very, very segregated city, showing, showing the faces of people walking on the street or, or in their homes, um, shot in a respectful way, because so much of the street photography at the time was, was voyeuristic. You know, was shot by men with a different agenda, I think, in mind. You know, this was a secret organization. They weren't filming what they did. And so we really had to get inventive and, and creative and make full use of, of other people's footage. And that is that is something that's that's striking is you, you guys are are y'all are um able to create a very compelling not car chase, but like uh <laughs> tailing situation. And the footage feels very um, neutral and news-like. Yeah, I mean, we went in, we went into this with this notion of a of a caper, you know, that was part of this. I mean, it's, it's an important story. And it's an incredibly timely story more timely than we could have maybe even predicted. But, um, but it's also a, a great story. We loved the idea of sort of making a heist film on some level, you know, that having that element throughout, like Tia said, in the music, um, like you said, in the in the the footage and having that be throughout because it's you know I've said this before but it's it, it's it's traditionally you know a very macho 70s genre these these heist films so not only was it fun as documentary filmmakers to feel like we're getting an opportunity to make a heist film but that we're inverting the genre and and making sort of a a, a feminist heist film um was was cool and exciting to us in addition to to this feeling you know sort of dire and important to that end i heard a very sort of like there was like a very oceans 11 type search for for folks to to speak about their experience with jane um that led to y'all putting an ad out in the chicago reader i would love to hear about the process of sort of finding subjects outside of the jane network that was that was a big challenge you know we we had sort of a connection to the Janes. And so, you know, I mean, we had to do some work to, to get all, all of them to be willing to to do that as well. They weren't all champing at the bit to do that. But um, but that was that was sort of under control. We knew we had enough to make a film there. Um, what our real challenge was, was, was finding women that used the service, you know? We didn't have a way to reach them necessarily. We had the index cards 
that we were we were gifted that you see on screen, but we weren't gonna. Those are medical records, and we have yeah. respect and reverence for this this operation, and we weren't gonna use that information to to locate people. Um, so we had to go about it a different way, and it and it was tough. It was I I would say our our greatest challenge as far as finding subjects, and um, eventually we just when we hit enough walls. Uh, we went old school <laughs> and and we put an ad out in the Chicago Reader and um, a carefully worded ad that telegraphed to people that our intentions were good and that we wanted to speak to people that used the service, you know, if they were if they were able, willing and able. By some miracle, Dory, who opens our film, responded. She's just extraordinary, you know, she talks about we did a pre-interview with her and she talked about um, her experience using Jane, using the service and how transformative that was in her, um, well, not only did it, you know, save her life on many levels, but it, it, it transformed her worldview. That in itself was very profound. And then as we were getting off the phone for the for the pre-interview and she said, and you know, and I really know because I also had a, a mob abortion and we were like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, it was like the second, you know, it was like the throwaway comment. So we just got so lucky in that we were able to have somebody that could not only tell us about their experience in the service, but sort of AB that with another illegal abortion, this one, you know, incredibly, you know, by the mob um, in Chicago at that time and how different those experiences were, how righteous Jane was in, in everything they were doing and women le woman led. And so we just, we got very lucky thanks to the newspaper. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, just, just to add, you know, the, people talking about abortion even to this day is still, you know, very fraught. You know, this is supposed to be something you keep secret. If you tell anyone, maybe it's your family, maybe a friend or two, but you're not going to tell the world. Um, and that's been true. It was true back then, it's true today. And so the people in the Janes who were telling us about not only this illegal activity that they were involved with, but in, in, in many cases, their own abortion stories, that was, you know, took an incredible act of courage. Um, and, and, and for Dory and Crystal and others who spoke on camera about their experiences with the chain, the same is true. I think we, we really hope that this film normalizes the conversation about abortion. It's a, it's a medical procedure. It's a gynecological procedure. Um, it's routine. It's safe, done under the right circumstances. And there should be no shame around it. You know, we, should, we need to take this shame away and so hearing these voices, hearing these women talk unapologetically, unashamedly about their life experiences, I think for me was very, very personally powerful. Um, and, I, and I hope audiences find it so as well. I'd love to ask you both about the, the COVID of it all, because these women are incredible, you know, telling, telling things that society would like us to not talk about um on camera i imagine that there's like an extra level of difficulty in there when there's like a mask between you and them or you know it's it's a 
a video call or or I'm just curious like kind of how did your process uh, your interview process change or shift because because of the pandemic well, well thankfully we already had about a dozen interviews in the bag before the pandemic hit in fact we did our last spate in uh, in January of 2020 before the pandemic closed everything down and so we had a good deal of material to work with um, uh, we knew we were missing some really important voices, um, but there was no way that we were going to put their health at risk. And, you know, these are these are elderly women, uh, women in their seventies and eighties, um, and we didn't want to do anything to to, to make them vulnerable. Um, and so we waited. You know, we waited and we cut with what we had, and thankfully the vaccine came along, um, and offered them some measure of protection, offered us and our crew some measure of protection, and we were able to, you know, pick up where we left off. While we wouldn't necessarily have planned it that way, it really served our, our, our editing, I think, because we were able to understand, you know, where our gaps were and, and what, what voices were missing and who we really needed to talk to. Um, and so when, when the world opened up again, you know, we could we could get those interviews, but That's we did. We did do even after the vaccines. We did do interviews with with masks on, and we're much more distant than normally, you know, than we would be. It did feel a little less intimate, um, so we had to sort of go the extra mile to regain that intimacy in a different kind of way and use our eyes and our hands and the other things at our disposal to be able to communicate with our subjects um, outside of just our voice, our muffled voice. I feel like like being this close to this subject and to the extraordinary activism of these people can't help but be affecting. And I'm curious, sort of, did your perspective on the film or, or, or on any part of your process shift as you were as you were making the film? Um, or, you know, put another way, do you feel like making the Janes has, has changed you in any way? Of course. I mean, that, you know, every film you make, I think, changes you if you're lucky I guess or if your commitment is there I mean um, it, it's so all-consuming making these films it's such hard work it's it's such a long road you know it takes years um, so you change in that time and and the film changes you but yeah I mean our our subject matter its timeliness and these extraordinary women are you can't help but be changed you know i think sort of to, to tie it to the last question you know we were making this film in the middle of a healthcare crisis you know not only were we doing some of those interviews masked but we were sitting next to each other in the edit room with masks on and coats on and windows open and trying to make our way through, it really buoyed us to be able to connect to these women who were finding their way and finding decency, self-motivation and self-worth and activism and organizing in the middle of what I would call a healthcare crisis, you know, pre-Roe. Pre so... It was a pretty profound experience in that way that I would venture to speak for both of us to say that we were both very thankful to have made this particular film with these particular women, you know, looking at them 
on a daily basis to 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 make our way through uh the the pandemic you know i think we'll forever be grateful to them for that life-changing for sure i would just add you know as filmmakers if you're not being impacted by by the people you're talking to by the story you're telling then you gotta better find a different film to make you know because that's that's the stuff of it it's 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 how we change. Uh, it's a process of discovery making documentary films, I think. And whether it's, you know, laughing or crying or just being moved to action, I mean, those are all ways that these stories affect us. And if they can affect us that way, I think there's a, there's a, there's a chance that we can affect our audience. But without that, without that impact, if we don't feel that impact is filming first, there's no friggin' way that we can translate that to screen that we can that we can get audiences moved to to emotion or to action. Yeah, I would love to to sort of talk about that for a minute because I feel like there's in documentary this sort of weird unnecessary divide between activism and and making art and you know the the film is very much both. And so I'm curious how you think about the goals of a film like this thinking about story and emotion but also you know are there other things that that you want the audience to do or come away with at the end of this i mean i would say that there's been a divide in some cases because some of the activist advocacy films are just really bad you know that have been made in the past you know and so that you know there there seemed to be a separation between making an artful film and making a political film, I, I think that's no longer the case, you know, that, you know, that there, that it's possible, you know, to, to fuse that, um, and to, you know, to make engaging, entertaining, compelling films about social issues, um, and I, I hope that we've done that with this film. Um, in terms of, you know, look, you can never control what people do with what you do, really. You know, you put this out there, and audiences, it's up to them to, to, to take take from it what they will and to do with it what they can. Um, we have had a, um, a lot of very meaningful interactions with audience members as we've traveled around the country with this film at festivals and screenings. And we see that it has, at the very least, opened up conversations with people um, about their own abortion experiences, their feelings in this moment. Older people who've never, ever talked about their illegal abortions during the pre-row era who are, who are able to do that after seeing this film. And, you know, invariably, there's always a question or two, you know, what can we do? You know, we're in the, this moment post-Dobbs where increasingly, you know, week by week, another state bans abortion or restricts it incredibly. So we're looking at the possibility of a federal ban on abortion, you know, if the Republicans take control of Congress. And I think so we're hoping, obviously, that this film engages, motivates people to, to vote for, for politicians who want to enshrine abortion rights, that understand what the stakes are. And, um, and we hope that Voices of the Women of the Janes, you know, inspires people to take action in whatever way they can, you know, out of just human decency. You know, if you have the money, donate to an organization, to an abortion fund, to a, to a legal fund. If you... Um, have the time and you have a car, drive somebody, you know, across state lines, you know, because we're at that point. Um, if you, you know, if you, if you can, if you can operate a hotline, if you can tell, 
your community about resources available. I mean, there's so many ways to connect to this issue. And on our website, thejanesfilm.com, we have a bunch of resources that that audience members, um, you know, can can draw from and plug into. You know, I think I think it's a responsible thing as filmmakers to to thread that needle between action and and storytelling.